Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, morning. So, uh, we're just uh, this is our last uh, sermon uh, on the series. You know the live well to love well. And so, before we start, I just want to take a moment just to pray. Hallelujah, Lord. I just want to thank you for the journey that you have brought us on. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the rightly divided word that we have been hearing. I thank you, God, for the lives that have been convicted and changed because of who you are, Lord, as we sang. Lord, because of your word. And we know that we can depend on you. And so today, Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would open up our hearts Lord, open up our understanding. Lord, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear what you want to speak to your people today, Lord. I just want to pray, God, just protection over your people today. I pray against any spirit of oppression, any confusion, anything that would come to to keep your people from hearing what you want to speak to them very individually, Holy Spirit, today. And so we pray that you would have your free way today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, in the past month, we've talked about, you know, living well to love well. Pastor Mona talked to to us about guarding that good deposit of the gospel in order to live well and to love well. John talked about how God has entrusted us resources, and it's how we uh, take care of those resources. We guard that deposit that God has given us, those, those resources that he's given us that, you know, enables us to love well and to live well. Or to live well, I should say, to love well. Because when we take care of what God has given us, you know, and we are good stewards of our time, our strength, then we're readily available to Him. And then our brother Doug, Doug talked about, you know, how God has entrusted us with a body. And he encouraged us and exhorted us to consider, you know, the people that God put in our lives and, and the call to be, to do life with people in order to, uh, to love well. Today I want to talk about, uh, you know, something that we don't often consider, and that, that is the call of God on our lives. You know, I think that if we're to be honest, it is something that many of us don't even consider as a high importance. So it's not something that, that we kind of pay attention to because, you know, that God has a plan and a call for every one of us, a very specific call because none of us are the same. Every person here is unique, an individual that has something to contribute to the kingdom of God, but not just to contribute, that you're that special piece of puzzle that is needed in this body. And so I know that this is something that God has been convicting my own heart, considering what is the call, because when we start considering the call of God on our lives, that means that we start considering something else than ourselves. It means that we start thinking on the outside of our own personal lives, because the call of God will require us to go towards others and you know as as human nature you know the human nature that we have the flesh nature wants nothing to do then it does not want to lay down its life for others it doesn't want to give up its rights and so that's that internal battle that if we are honest that we go through and so but in Matthew 20 chapter 20 verses 26 and 28 it says you know it talks about the call of leadership and sometimes we kind of see this call of leadership. I'm sorry, I kind of went ahead of myself. You could go to the previous slide. I think I had this one uh, line saying, you know, that having God's call in our lives, it's not about us. It isn't about our gifts. It isn't about attaining a sense of importance or place or position. It's all about loving his people well. 
And, and so, you know, sometimes, you know, like, oh, this person has a call in their life. And we kind of have our human nature perception of success saying, oh, they have attained a position, a place of importance. But if that is our mindset, who becomes the focus? Us. And if that is our focus, you know, oh, I feel called on my, you know, on my life to do certain things. What is it really about? Is it about, you know, your own sense of wanting to feel that sense of importance or value or significance? But once you understand your significance in Christ, your value in Christ, and you start submitting under his calling, you already know who you are, and therefore that call should never come out of a need for a sense of importance, but it becomes it comes out of already knowing who you are in Christ. It comes out of really knowing how valued and precious you are, and therefore you can go outwards. And that's why in Matthew uh, 20, verses 26 to 28, it says, It shall not be among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so, but I can tell you this, you know, sometimes we look at that scripture, I'm like, you know, like, I don't want to be anybody's slave. I don't want to be anybody's servant. I don't want to give up my rights. I don't want to give up my life. But I'm telling you something that when you discover the call of God on your life, that does enable you to discover who God is, and it also enables you to discover who you are. And it also enables you to discover the true joy of loving God's people. Because loving people in our flesh is draining. Loving people out of our own efforts will deplete us. But as we walk according to who we are in Christ, as we walk in in growing fellowship with God, we discover who He is and He shows us who He's made us to be. What we discover is something so much more powerful, so much more greater. We discover the heart of God. In the midst of that. And let me tell you, it is not a subtraction to your life. It is an adding. And it's so it's so amazing because the call of God is not something you do, it's some it's about who you are. And I want to tell you something, you know, for the longest period of my life, you know, as I became a teacher and I, I sensed God's calling to become a teacher. So I went to university, became a teacher, then became a school teacher. And in my mind, my career was my calling. And it, so it would became all about who, what I did and not who I was. You see, it doesn't matter what job you do. When you have a calling of God, you could be working at McDonald's. You could be, you know, the garbage man. It doesn't, that does not stop your calling. It's something so much greater than just a job, than just something you do. And that's what I discovered. I realized, you know, I thought that if I let go of my, my teaching career, then I would stop being what God called me to, do, to be. But that never changed my calling. God says, no, no, this is not what I want you to do. This is not what I've called you for. Teaching is just a career. It's a job. It's a means to an end. You know, it it provided for my financial needs. And now the job is just the the provision for my financial needs. but But my purpose for living, my passion and everything that flows out of my life now is so much greater. Because it's not about the job. It's not about the career plan. And we grow up in a society that says, if you find the right career, you'll find your purpose, and then you'll know your identity, and then you'll feel good about yourself. Well, let me tell you, a career is not what's going to do it for you. 
that's an external thing. Where we truly find satisfaction is what's it what comes from the heart of God. We find satisfaction in Christ. He is the only satisfaction. And so when God has entrusted us, you know, to walk worthy of the calling, that means worthy of walking fully as who God made you to be, an individual, and someone, there's no one like you in this world. And God has called you to walk. But because of the, all the messages that we have had from the world, sometimes we don't even know who we are. We don't even know what we like. We don't even know what really is our passion, what our heart longs for. Next week will be, uh, will be Pastor Mona's appointment ceremony. And I find it so fitting that we are talking about the call of God. You know, as for many of us who know her well, we have seen the call of God on her life. And for those of us who have known her and have listened to, speak, to her speak, we recognize that the call is not just what she does here on Sunday. It's way much more than that. It's how she lives her life. It's who she is. It isn't what she does. And we have benefited from her walking worthy of her call. That means recognizing what God has entrusted her with and walking in obedience to that. And I have this quote from Pastor Wilkerson, and I don't know if I'm a little early in it, or PowerPoint team, uh, to do a little bit of running, but... So there's this quote by Pastor Wilkerson, and he says, she can just get the, sorry. Oh, there it is. So when God calls you to something, he is not always calling you to succeed. He's calling you to obey. The success of the calling is up to him. The obedience is up to you. And that takes away all the pressure. God isn't asking you to, like, work and, and hard at doing something. He just wants you to walk in step with him. And the success is no longer on your shoulders. The weight of the pressure is no longer on your shoulders, but it is on his. And so, you know, God has entrusted Pastor Mona with a call, and, he, and she has guarded that good deposit that God has given her. And amazingly enough, we have reaped the benefits. And that's the point. Because, because she has walked in that call and that God created her to be, we have reaped the benefits. So imagine now if we all walked according to the call that God has entrusted to each one of you. And so if I was to ask you, you know, today, what are you presently living for? Have you found satisfaction in it? Career, money, living for yourself? Does that, do you find satisfaction in those things? Whether it is in, sometimes it can, it can look good on an appearance. It could be volunteering. It could be giving of your time. But if that's your purpose and it isn't Christ, then you do fall short. And so do you know that God has a specific call for you? Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 4 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. So the calling isn't just about you, but it is about the body, benefiting the body. 
And in verse 16 of, of Ephesians, 6, uh, uh, Ephesians 4, it says, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supportive ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The work flows out from the call. It's not the opposite. You're not given a, a work t- for you to find your call. The, call com- the work comes from the call that God has put on your life. And so when you consider the gifts that God has given you, the interests that God has given you, the personality that God has given you, these, these are all part of a greater purpose. They are not for an entity in, in themselves. They are to service to, for you to discover the call of God. You know, sometimes we have interests and we're like, how can, how can that serve the kingdom of God? You know, we learned with Blackaby that sometimes God uses our interests to serve his kingdom. And so as we heard, you know, preached not too long ago with the parable of the talents, you know, sometimes we keep those giftings. We keep those interests. We keep our, you know, our personality to ourselves. And then, you know, it, it, but God will keep, will, you will be accountable to God one day for that. So, a God, but a call goes far beyond our natural talents. And so there's two examples that I want to talk about today in the Bible and where there was, and I find it just fits our situation well, where there was a leader who passed the baton of leadership to, uh, to a, a someone else. And I want you to understand, you know, the call of God to lead people, it's, people shouldn't be taking that lightly. It is a very, out of all the calls, you know, we're all called to different things. Some call to hospitality, some are called to encouragement, to exhortation, some are called to teaching. But the call to leadership is a something that comes with the greatest cost. It's not a popularity contest. When you become a leader of a church or a pastor and you have this this high title, the greatest consideration is not that you're a popular person now. It is that you have the greatest cost to your life. And I want you to consider because, you know, consider this because, you know, it is a place of service, it's a place of sacrifice, and it is a place of lots of tears. And our pastors have walked that walk. And I want you to consider an understanding. You see them on Sunday. You see them preach. You see them exhort. But do you know that behind all of that, there's times of service, there's times of sacrifice, and there's times of tears. And the cost is great to their life. And the higher up you go in position of leadership, the higher the cost. And this is what Joshua and Timothy were about to be given as a mandate they're not just given, a, you know, a high popularity place. They're given a responsibility. They're given a call. And it came from a call. Now, you see, the thing is, is that, you know, there's God's presence that comes with the service, the sacrifice, and the tears. And there's an anointing that comes there, and there's also an enablement. But it is a place of pain. And this is why, you know, I was reading through Joshua and Joshua doesn't hear it just once, neither twice. He hears it three times, the same message given to him because God knew that he would need the encouragement to go to become the leader that he had called him to. And we see in Deuteronomy 3, uh, 31, verses 7 and 8, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. 
for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it amongst them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid nor be discouraged. Three times God tells him to be strong and courageous, to not be afraid that he was going to go with him. And Joshua's, you know, the, the wonderful thing of walking in that call, Joshua got to see his the people of God experience victory. He got to see the people of God. He got to do relationship. He walked closely in ranks with them. When you're in the trenches of battle with people, you get to know them well. And that is so the heart of God for us to walk in unity and in love. You know, that those two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is the heart of God. That is part of the call. Whatever call God has given you, what he's saying is, I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. I want you to know that I will be with you in the battles that are ahead of you, no matter what the cost is. But I want you to walk in obedience. That's all that I'm asking you to do. Deuteronomy 34, 9, we see this, you know, with Joshua says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. God didn't leave him go there on his own. God will not leave you walk your call calling on your own. He accompanies you. And you know, we see in the scriptures that if we ask for wisdom, he will gladly give it to us. For Moses had laid his hands on him, as we will see next week, you know, the laying of hands to transferring the the mantle. So the children of Israel heeded him, it means they listened, (laughs) and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so they saw the transfer of leadership and they followed suit. And, you know, because of the call, not just because of the call, but because it's not just about, it wasn't just Moses that decided that Joshua was going to be there. God called Joshua to be there. And God confirmed that calling by what followed through on Joshua's life as we see it in Pastor Mona's life and Pastor Glenn gently passing on the baton in that my encouragement is is to is to heed the heart of God in our in the leadership that we have in this church because it's not just about the person it is God's call that means that is it is God who places our authorities where they are and God has placed our authorities and we have reaped the benefits sometimes we take this for granted we take for granted the supernatural that we live every day. And I want to encourage you to consider being thankful for what God has given us. Because like I said, it's not just about the person. But God will use people when they are obedient. So we are benefiting from someone else's obedience, the bowing of the knee. So we see Joshua arrive at the Jordan River. And I want to talk about sometimes the pitfalls or the stumblings or the hindrances to walking in that call. So we see Joshua arrive at the Jordan and the waters recede so the people could cross the Jordan, just like Moses had had the people cross the Red Sea. And he leads his people into battle and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. So he experiences these miracles, but then comes Ai. Ai was a city where they experienced great defeat and it was costly. And after the defeat of Ai, Joshua turns to God in great discouragement. And the point is, is that in his discouragement, he turned to God. He didn't turn to himself. 
He didn't turn to other things like they did in the desert. You know, let's build us a cow to get us out of this, this, <laughs> this position, the golden calf. No, he turned to God because he had learned well. And there will be season, seasons in your life when you walk according to the call of God that there will be seasons of discouragement. But in the call of leadership, there is even more discouragement, let me tell you. Because it's not just your life that you deal with when you're a leader. It's other people's lives that are involved. And it wasn't just Joshua losing that battle. It was all the people who are with him. And so in this place of discouragement, Joshua turns to God and God addresses the things that are hindering the people of God to walk in their calling. And God exposes a man named Achan who was only thinking of himself when he took spoils of the land God had told them not to touch. And Achan was not willing to trust God with his provision. And others paid the consequences, not just him. And so as leaders, whenever they are, they are addressing things, it, it, because it's not just about the call of their lives, but it's the call of this church as well. And that's why God needs to expose the things that are hidden in our lives. And there's things, sometimes that we're just blind spots. We're not even aware. Joshua wasn't even aware what the heck is going on that we're experiencing defeat. But there was something within the camp that needed to be addressed. There are things in our lives that need to be addressed, that need to be brought to the light so that they are exposed and that they enable us afterwards once they are dealt with for us to walk in victory. Now the people of Israel dealt with this situation with Achan, with Achan and then went back to Ai and experienced victory. There's areas in your life where you're experiencing defeat, especially when it comes to advancing in your walk with God or advancing with your family, growing as an individual. There may be things that are hidden within the, beneath the surface. And so what, what are the things that can hinder the call of God in your life? It's a little bit small, but sorry about that. So hidden issues, you know, sometimes that we're not uh, aware of. Sometimes it's fear of others people's opinions. Intimidation that keeps us from walking in our calling. Fear of confrontation and opposition. Fear of what God will require, uh, require of us. And that's often linked to the lies that we believe about God. And also the self-life. I'd like for us to turn to Peter, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. And this is a scripture that has been really, really uh, convicting my life over the last few weeks. You know, just thinking about stewardship and thinking about the things that were hindering the call of God in my life. Because there's things in my life, you know, we talked about stewardship, that, in, that keep me from living well and then from eventually loving well because I become exhausted if I don't take care of what God has given me. And that scripture, you know, I'm not going to read all of it, but he was saying, you know, he says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and then knowledge and self-control and godliness and mutual affection. And then he talks, you know, he talks about self-control. And he says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that means that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work and convict your heart and change and renew your mind and your heart. You know, if you're increasing and then they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can accumulate a bunch of knowledge about God and your life be completely ineffective and unproductive. 
But he says, but whoever does not have them, that means that they are, they are not growing in their relationship with Christ. They're not addressing those hindrances in their lives. They, uh, uh, those who do not have them, uh, that, sorry, the one who ha- does not have them is nearsighted, blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. They forget what life is about. And they're blinded to the people who are around them. They're nearsighted. That means they only see immediate problems. And he says here in verse 10, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's not talking about not having salvation. He's talking about how are you entering heaven? Are you entering heaven saying, God, I have I've submitted to you and experienced you in great... God doesn't want to subtract from your life. He wants to add, but... In adding, it requires obedience. So when you're in God's call of leadership, there will be a lot of opposition, people questioning your every decision, but there is also the struggle of seeing people walk into disobedience in their lives and causing themselves and others harm. And you see Timothy, you know, Timothy, we see him being encouraged on several occasions by Paul. And he exhorts him to walk in his calling because Paul understood what Timothy was going to go through. Paul passed on the baton to Timothy to take care of the church. But he, Paul understood also the, the, the continuous hardship that Timothy would have to go through. People questioning him, people not listening, people being disobedient and different things and rising up against him. And then he would have to uh, confront situations and we see that in 1 Timothy 4, 11 to 16. He says in, in verse 12, especially because he says, Command and teach these things. says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And he's telling you know Timothy, and it, it, this was because of his youth, but whatever, whatever excuse the enemy brings to you, oh, well, you're not enough because of dot, dot, dot. Whatever your situation is, whether it be your health, your gender, whether it be your age, whether it, whatever it might be, Paul is exhorting to you, he says, don't let those things be the determining factor for the decisions you make and the life and the obedience that you have towards Christ. And he says, do not neglect your gift which was given to you, given you through prophecy when the, the body of elders laid, hand, laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. And he's encouraging him to press forward. And we see that that was in the first letter to Timothy. We see that also in the second letter of Timothy. He says, you know, when I call to remembrance a genuine faith, and he's encouraging, you know what? You come from a family of believers, and there is that inheritance of faith in your, in your, in your family. And I want you to encourage to continue to walk in that faith. And he tells him, he says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift. Don't neglect the call that God has put on your life. God has called you from from way back when. Don't forget, I know it's hard right now. I know you're discouraged. I know that you feel like giving up. But I want you to remember who called you. I want you to remember who you are in God. And he tells him, you know, that, and again, he repeats, therefore, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 
And so fear will be one of those things that cause us to retract in our call, the call that God has given us. And I want you to take a moment for you to consider the cost of the call, especially for pastors. There was this article by this uh, gentleman called Thomas, uh, Tom S. Rayner, and he wrote an article uh, not too long ago, you know, uh, and he was writing this article after receiving, you know, interacting with different pastors who are ready to quit after this pandemic. This pandemic has been extremely hard because, you know, some people have been working from home or they have, you know, been stuck doing nothing. No, pastors have had to work double portion. Their job was already hard, but it became harder with the pandemic. And so, you know, you na- just to name a few of the reasons why, you know, pastors have been wanting to quit. And I, there's six of them here. So pastors are weary from the pandemic, just like everyone else. They've had to experience the, the weariness of it, the frustrations of it, the, the sense of, of helplessness the same way ha- you have. Number two, pastors are greatly discouraged because about the, the fighting taking place among church members about the post-quarantine church. You know, the mask, no mask, and having to deal with conflicts. That doesn't stop because of the pandemic. It got kind of worse, you know, and they have to deal with those things. Pastors are discouraged about losing members in attendance, seeing your sheep walk away is very disheartening because you build bonds, you build relationships, and you see them walk away. It's not just about about losing the amount of people that's in your church. These are lives that are touched, that you've been involved in, and you see walk away. And you see not just walk away from you, but walk into darkness. That's hard. That can make it, make it, bring any discouragement to anyone. And then pastors don't know if their church will be able to support ministries financially in uh, in the future their jobs are you know like a lot of us have like kind of like this guaranteed salary pastors i mean there's no guarantee of tomorrow and so there's that's a con there's there's that continuous stress criticism against pastors have increased significantly significantly well this pastor makes us wear a mask and this pastor doesn't wear us make a mask and just a different thing well they should have done this better you know imagine how much criticism pa- leaders go through and how draining and it just, it's like, this isn't effective. This is not useful. It's not useful to criticize. It's useful to help and find solutions, but it's not useful to criticize. And the workloads for pastors has also increased greatly. Because now it's just not just about preparing a sermon for Sunday, but it's making sure the IT department is, is well furnished and that everything, it's, it's learning to do a job in a completely different way. And also, one thing that you have to realize is that you, when you go to work, you finish your work, you go home, job stays there. Pastors are on 24-7, 365 days, well, sometimes 366 days a year. Even though they go on vacation, their heart is still, is still with you. Their, their passion, their calling is still there. It is nothing, and that can only be sustained by the power of God. That can only be sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you must be wondering, how, what keeps pastors going? It is the call of God on their life, and it is the keeping power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that when you decide to walk in obedience to the calling that God has put on your life, you're not alone. I want to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11. It says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deep 
deed prompted by faith. So it's the keeping power of the Holy Spirit. And it's learning to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. We've been learning about abiding in our Bible study. I want If you have not listened to those Bible studies, I want to encourage you to go back and listen. They're available on our, on our website. They're available on our app. They're available on our YouTube. They're, they're available wherever you might look. We want you to listen because it's not just about the Sunday sermon. God wants you to learn... To, to know how to abide because when you start abiding with God, like I said in the beginning, you start discovering who you are. And that's exciting. And so one of the questions I've asked myself many, many times, uh, so if I say yes to the call of, of God in my life, what will I be missing out on? What is this going to cost me? And that's a, it's, a very, it's a very serious question to consider. You know, and this week I was challenged in one of the devotions I was reading, and it, and it, you know, it prompted to ask myself, how is this, what I'm doing right now, how is that meeting my need? How is what you're doing right now, the way that you're walking, how is it meeting your need? Because God does want to, like I said, God does not want to subtract. He wants to add to your life. But how is what you're doing right now meeting your need? And it was just something very simple for me. For me. It was just exercising. <laughs> And I was, and I, I, the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask myself, you know, how is that meeting your need, not exercising? Because when I'm not exercising and doing something very simple and, and you know, not, not of great spiritual importance, but it wasn't meeting my need because then I would be continuously tired. I'm not taking good care of my body. That means I have less energy. It's not meeting my need. And I had to change my mindset because my excuse for not making exercise, well, I don't feel like it. I just want to kind of sit curled up in my chair looking at Facebook. Well, how is looking at Facebook meeting my need? How is you not walking in your calling meeting your need? How is you living just for yourself, for your own purpose, your own significance meeting your need? It doesn't. And it's amazing. When you start walking according to the calling of God, you get to discover that God starts meeting the desires of your heart, desires you didn't even know you had. It's amazing. He gives you something so much greater. So, the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Psalm 37, verse 4. And I used to take this scripture, I know I've mentioned this before, but I've used to take this scripture completely out of context. It says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know, I used to think, Well, you know, I'll just, I'll serve God, and then He'll give me everything that I want. That's not it. <laughs> Because there, there is fundamental desires that our heart longs for and God knows exactly. He's created you. He knows exactly what you need, what your heart truly longs for. Sometimes we think we know what we want, and God, but God really wants to give you what your heart truly desires, which is so much greater. But how will we ever know what our heart truly longs for if we're not going to listen to the one who made us, our maker, if we don't spend time with our creator? And he wants you to discover who you are. And he wants to discover actually what you truly want in life. And so I've learned that with time, that as I walked in obedience to the call of God in my life, I get to discover God, but I also come to discover who I really am. And God comes and gives, the, gives me the desires that I didn't even know I wanted. And so, so much of our need is relational, actually. So much of what our heart longs for 
is relational. Why is it that we pursue money? We pursue money to feel safe. And if I, if I, you know, if I have enough money, I'll be well liked or whatever. Or if I'm pursuing career, then I'm well loved. Or if I'm a people pleaser, then I'm well loved and accepted. We think that that, but those are poor substitutes for relationship. God wants to give you so much greater relationship. So you're not created just to serve a purpose and then die. You're not just created just to exist. You were created for so much more. And there's also a peace that comes with walking in that calling. And there's also growth that comes with that calling. There is a cost, yes. There are tears, there is service, there is surrender, there is sacrifice. But there is the but let me guarantee you that the the reward is so much greater because we get to get God Himself. So most of all, you begin to live well and then you love well out of that calling. So that is the purpose. Uh, I just want to just go to the next slide. Uh, this You can't see that it's by Craig Groeschel, but it's by Craig Groeschel. He says, God is not calling us to go to church. He's calling us to be his church. Being his church is also being part of walk, walking in that calling. And that is... So you know, that's the purpose. That is God's call that flows from uh, the two greatest commandments. To love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe some of you have never actually had that encounter with God yet. For you, you know, you're just exploring what religion has to offer. But let me explain to you something very clearly. God is so much greater than just do's and don'ts. He wants you to experience Him him himself and he wants you to also see who you are because we go about life when we're just in survival mode we don't get to experience the joy of who God is the joy of who we are and then the joy of who others are I want to be very clear you know with you I used to be very drained by people because I saw life in this measure where I had going there to serve people and that's my job. And I saw this as a subtraction to my life and negative. But as I drew nearer to God and started walking in obedience, I got to discover God's goodness, His love, His acceptance of me, because God accepts us just as we are. But then He enables us to discover all that we are. But then the beauty in all that is that He enables us to discover the beauty of others and who they are. And I do enjoy now people's presence it doesn't subtract from my life anymore it doesn't drain my life there is a joy and an excitement to spend time with people because I don't have anything to prove anymore I don't feel like I have to offer anything of myself of my own strength the burden's not on my shoulders it's on Christ's now and I just get to be there I just get to be wouldn't it be great if we could just be and there's a rest that comes with that so I just want you to take a moment just to consider, you know, take a moment this week to ask, God, what have you called me to? Who do you say that I am? And who are you, God? So that we can live well and then love well. As we have had wonderful, uh, our wonderful mentors in Pastor Glenn and Pastor Mona walk you know, and they, you know, Paul said to Timothy, he said to the, the church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. God wants you to experience that fullness and that abundance. 
And so if maybe if we as the IT put some just soft music on, I want you to take a moment with God today just to consider what he's calling you to and what you've been missing out and just to ask yourself that question, how has this been meeting my need, what I'm doing right now? Has this really met my need? God wants to meet your need in a much greater fashion. I just want to finish today in prayer. And then if you uh, want to just continue to spend that time with God, you know, I just welcome you to do so. But if you feel like you need to leave, you know, you know where the exits are in the back, well, let me just pray as we finish. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for the cross, Jesus, that you paid for our sins that you resurrected from the dead, so inviting us in a greater inheritance in relationship with you. Lord, I pray for every individual here. Lord, I pray that as a body, Lord, we would learn to respond to the call on our lives, Lord God, so that we may experience you in a greater measure and that we would find our satisfaction in you because you are enough, O oh God. So I pray, God, just your blessing over this people. Blessing over our ceremony next week, Lord, as we transition. Because we know that you have ordained it, Lord. And we know that we are safe in your hands, Lord. We thank you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name.